Good afternoon. It's time for Boat Talk here on Community Radio, WERU-FM Blue Hill and WERU.org. This is another pre-recorded Boat Talk, so we can't take phone calls at this time. We being the Rusty Anchors, Mike Joyce, John Johansson, and Alan Sprague. We start, as usual, with John Johansson giving us the local boatyard news and lobster boat racing news. Yeah, let's see. Uh, you know, I it was interesting. Uh, uh, I've been up and down the whole coast, and these boat shops are busy. Some of the boats are coming out late. The biggest problem is trying to get material. The material is expensive as hell. You know, and some of them, even the boat builders are asking some of these guys to hold off so that with the hope that some of the materials will drop. I mean, a, a barrel of acetone went from 400 to $800, you know, and you can't, you can't get anything, you know. Uh, I know they've had trouble finding resin, uh, finding glass, you know. It's just, you know, it's a hard market right now. But, uh, you know, brand new boat went in, uh, who we call Moses. It's actually Moses. He builds uh, down in Stuben. He put a boat over a couple weeks ago uh, called, uh, oh, what was it? The last name, uh, Grin and Barrett. So, so you know, it's kind of a play on his name. And that that actually showed up at Jonesport to race, just for fun, you know. And he did fairly well. He was, you know, in the middle pack of the fleet, I think, you know. And I think I've already got them in the computer. Yeah, it's an Osmond 47. And what's interesting about that is that it's really not a 47 because it's a 44 cut down from a 47 with a 1,000 horsepower man. And it was built for Dean Barrett over in Sullivan. Um, So he came to the races and had a good time. We had 102 boats in Jonesport. So... Yeah, it was good. I mean, and, you know, some of the big races was Little Girl came out. She has a mongrel of an engine. He bought one from somebody in Harpswell, and he basically took two other engines and cannibalized them to make one. So he called it the mongrel engine. And he actually beat Foolish Pleasure for the uh, uh, in the gasoline classes. But each of them won their class because they're in different classes. But in the gasoline free-for-all, he was running up the course, and he was in the lead by maybe a boat length, maybe a boat length or two. And all of a sudden, he slowed, and we couldn't figure out, because he was still running, but he was slow. Well, he got over the finish line, and he stepped back from the helm and picked up the the blower belt, and it was shredded. <laughs> and he had over he had overnighted one on Tuesday, but it, yet it, it had not yet arrived in Jonesport. So that was, you know, four days for an overnighter to Jonesport. But, you know, that boat, and then Miss Marina, she did uh, Class G. Uh, she's one of the Wayne Beale uh, 32s because they really go well. And they're kind of pushing those boats because they're pretty easy to push through the water. And they're small, and there's some people that want to, you know, downsize because they're getting older and want an easy boat to fish out of, and that's one of them. So, 
Yeah, it was a good it was a good day of racing, even though it was you know a little overcast, you know. But you know, this weekend should be interesting. I mean, you know, my boat's finally ready. I think <laughs> we had to put a new carburetor on. She wouldn't go over eighteen hundred without wanting to die. And I thought it was going to be a distributor, but it actually turned out to be the carburetor. So we put a brand new carburetor on her, and she's running fine. Needs to be fine tuned a little bit, but other than that, she'll she'll be in Stonington, I hope. <laughs> but you know, back to the boatyard. I was down at Bruce Farron's yesterday, and he's just finished up the main, the new main patrol boat that's going. I believe it's going to Booth Bay, and uh, uh, it's a forty-two Calvin, and. Uh, Really well finished out down below. Nice boat, nice finish. They did a really beautiful job on her. And so she'll go in the water probably midweek next week. Billings was there trying to start the engine and get it up so that, you know, they knew everything was working the right way. Because these engines are no longer like the old engines. You just start them and go. You know, they have to be run and they have to be within certain parameters for RPMs and, you know, that sort of thing. So it gets a little more complicated. Uh, but up and down the coast, I mean, you go in the boatyards and they're pulling out the air. They can't figure out why, how they got so far behind and, you know, and they just try to keep up with the demand and the demand is certainly there. And the the boat show thing is going to be interesting. I talked to Jonathan Knowles at East Coast Yacht Sales in Yarmouth and I asked him what he thought boat, boat shows were going to look like this summer and fall. And he said, well, there was a boat show recently down in Southern New England that normally gets 200 boats. And with the uh, demand on boats and the demand on engines, and it makes it almost impossible to get either of them, he said they expected maybe 70 boats. They got 25. That was it. There's just, there's just nothing in the pipeline. And, you know, it's a month, two, three, four months out, and some of them even longer to get stuff out of these companies because they just don't have it. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, I'm booked to go to Newport. Uh, Rhode Island in September for the uh, main built boats because uh, I go down there to represent them and uh, it could be interesting because you know those docks are usually loaded with boats and it just may not be that many boats and you know it may be better by September but I'm not sure how much better you know the Portland the main boat builder show is in another two weeks and it's going to be on the waterfront in Portland at Portland Yacht Services. And that's shaped up to be okay. There's about 60 vendors there, and there's a lot of people already calling to get tickets to be there all weekend. So it, it should be a good weekend. My problem is is that on Sunday I got a lobster boat race in Harpswell. Next, we talk with Steve Brookman about the upcoming Blue Hill Maritime Heritage Festival. Yeah, it started in uh, 2019. Actually, I've been having a traditional small craft association messabouts on the Saturday with the high tide. And when I heard about the bicentennial, I said, well, why don't we just kind of coordinate that, get Blue Hill involved in the bicentennial and make it a boating event slash bicentennial. And one thing led to another. I ended up talking to uh, the historical society and chamber of commerce. And we got a committee going before we knew it, it was the maritime heritage festival instead of just a boating event. That happened in 2019 and it went pretty well. And we were gearing up, of course, for 2020, and we all know what happened then. So now we're regrouping now, and it's now it's really starting to pick up steam. So it's it's getting pretty exciting. 
Yeah, well, the date is uh, Saturday, August 21st, 10 a.m., 4 p.m. The high tide's at 10.56, so that's why we, we picked that date so we can get boats in the water because it's going to happen at the town wharf and the Blue Hill and in the historic village, so we'll have water, good water for most of the day. So that will work out good. There's a boat ramp right there, right? Yeah, we're going to we'll focus down the, the boat, the, the town wharf, the boat ramp, Emerson Park, is the adjacent park to it. Uh, also, Shaw Institute's across the parking lot. They're going to have microscopes set up and have kids, people look at phytoplankton and talk about their mission. They'll lead a, <clears throat> excuse me, lead a low tide walk when the waters go out towards the end of the day. And then over at the Holt House, they'll have their stuff going on. Uh, the carriage house will have artifacts and photos from our photo contest. We have a photo contest going for local kids, nine to 12. So they'll have that on display. Pendleton House has something going on in their garden out there from the Open Arts Initiative showing the maritime impacts on Maine forests. So we're getting the whole village or a good chunk of the village involved. That was our intention. Uh-huh. Um. Could you give a little bit more detail about your photo contest for the kids? Is there a, a subject or some sort of a, a direction or just anything that they yeah. want? It's on our website, which I should take a look at. It's supposed to be Maritime Blue Hill related. Uh, it, it's pretty broad, but that we wanted to have something to do with the, uh, the maritime environment. Uh, and actually, Brittany over at the Consolidated School is, is actually running the contest this year, which is nice. Photos should relate to Blue Hill Peninsula's maritime heritage in some way, reflecting one's sense of place and community, even in contemporary times. This includes seascapes, working waterfront, fishing, sea life, seaside, blah, blah. So that's what it is. And hopefully we'll start getting some. I have not seen any photos yet. Uh, so hopefully we'll get them posted on the website, and then they'll be posted over at the Carriage House uh, at the Historical Society. And then there'll be prizes uh, gift certificates and books and stuff for the kids. It's also an essay contest, but to be honest, I don't have much information on that one. I've seen a couple of essays floating around, but I don't have the details of that one. Huh. I'd be interested to see that photo contest. <laughs> yeah, we got some nice photos last year. Got three of them posted on there, so I don't know what the kids are going to come up with, but I'm kind of looking forward to it. You know, it's you still got a few months to go. Or not, we don't have to. We've got about a month and a half to go right now. That's the reason I'm involved with the Traditional Small Craft Association, the Down East chapter. We're actually hosting the event and providing insurance and uh, co-sponsoring it. <clears throat> Excuse me, I know I got a frog here. But to that effect, we've got a, I've got my chapter invited. We've already have six boats confirmed, which for boaters being this early on, that's pretty good. We've got Blue Hill Community Rowing is going to have their St. L skiff. They'll be offering rides. Uh, we have a couple of pea pods. Uh, we've got a St. L skiff from uh, George Stevens Academy that they finished last year or the year before. That'll be on the hard. Hughes Companies uh, will be there, their sponsor, and they'll also bring their Caledonia Yawl and some CNC cut boats for kids to play with. We'll have a floating pool from Wilson Museum. Yeah, we're leaving the you know half the park a lot open so we don't interfere with the public. You've got a beautiful spot. People, oh. boats, uh, food, uh, music, you know, that's a pretty good start. 
But to organize a new festival like this is a heck of a job now, isn't it? It's a lot of moving parts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 2019, we really found out because I was just throwing this idea out there. It was, it was like late spring, mid-spring, two years ago. And I said, wow, we got a boating event already scheduled. Let's, let's combine it with the Bicentennial, the main 200. So I signed up with them. And then we talked to Lori, who sits to be over at the Chamber of Commerce and historical society before you know it we're planning a schedule with no time <laughs> and you know nobody really on board but we pulled it off and it came out pretty good everybody really liked it you know Vaughn Leach was a big help selecting them. so this year we've got a little bit more going on but this COVID thing really knocked us for a loop I think I had a at a planning meeting back in probably late uh, February March or something I invited 60 people and we had two show up so that, you know, that was not an auspicious start for this. But we're rolling now. I mean, I feel pretty comfortable now. We've got a lot of sponsors, and we've got enough to really make a nice festival as it is, and we still have you know almost two months to add to it. Uh, let's see, what happened? I haven't talked about music. Uh, last time we had a, a local group singing Sea Shanties, uh, the Peter Leonard group. Uh, they loved that. That was real popular. And then we had Carl Carouche and Bill Schumack doing uh, – fiddle and sea songs that was good and this year we have castle bay which is a rather well-known duo that does traditional main seafaring songs uh-huh. in fact they actually wrote a book about it this summer with like 106 traditional main songs on it so we're kind of looking forward to having them they'll be our main liner at like two o'clock so that's that's our music and we might get a couple more but that's really enough we're only there for you know 10 to 10 to four. So that, that pretty much fills up the music and they'll be playing right at the sculpture at the park. They're looking at the bay. So that's, it's a pretty nice venue there to, for sea shanties and nautical songs. I don't think it's much better yeah. than that. For seafood or food, we've got festival food. We've got the Downey Salmon Foundation is going to bring their smoker, which I don't know if you ever had that. That's pretty good. They have, they smoke uh, smelt and alewives, local fish. So that's very appropriate. They'll they'll be there. Uh, Stone Fox Stone Farm Stone Fox Farm Stone Farm Fox Creamery, their ice cream truck, the one that's always there for the Flash concerts. They'll be there, and uh, Kathy Eaton from Harbor Harbor House fame. She's going to be there with the uh, chowder, lobster rolls and stuff. So even though her Harbor House isn't there anymore, she'll she'll still be there. No, yeah, I think we've got all the bases covered so far. Oh, there'll be art in the park. I didn't even mention that. Emerson Park will have art in the park. Artists will be there. I've got a wood carver. Uh, I've got uh, Temple Blackwood, Highlands Wood Turning. Uh, he'll be making belaying pins and other nautical stuff and giving demonstrations. And that's always really popular. Maine Coastal Fisheries. That's uh, from Stonington. I, got the name. I don't have the name right on that. They'll be there. Leroy, you think Leroy will be there? I have a heck of a time getting any real, <laughs> real lobster people going. We've tried, but it's Saturday in August, and they're all busy. They don't. They, they don't. I tried to get their wives to show up last time, and I couldn't huh. even do that. So, huh. if you got any connections, Leroy wants to come. I'd really like to have them. But main, uh, main center for coastal fisheries is as close as I got to anything that smells of fish, <laughs> other than the smoker. So it's. But yeah, we would like to get the. We really want the commercial fishery guys in there because that's such an important part of the bay. That's yeah, yeah, that's part of our mission here is to talk about that. But 
they're busy, so. But uh, hopefully the Shaw Institute will have some stuff there. I think one time I was there, they had a bait bucket or a bait box with just the scrapings off of a lobster pot. And that was just fascinating, just all the, the little creatures, tunicates and snails and everything else that crawled off of that. And that would keep people pretty entertained. Is there a, um, a, a schedule of events on your uh, website? I've got a schedule page, but we really haven't filled it in yet because we're still waiting for everything to fall into place. Uh-huh. I know I have Castle Bay, the, the music group at two o'clock. Uh, uh, the sea shanties will probably start at 11. But we're not having, we don't have anything else really firm scheduled yet. We will. Last time uh, in 2019, we had a lot of seminars. And that just seemed like that detracted from the overall festival, people going inside and hearing a talk on a beautiful summer day. So this year we're trying to do everything outside. And so we're not going to have seminars. We're going to have some talks on the water, but in between the breaks when the musicians take a break, there'll be people out there. Uh, Last time we had Denny Robertson at the firehouse with all his background of Blue Hill and photographs and, family history and stuff. So we hope to have him back again too at the firehouse. But no, then, yeah, there is a, there is a scheduled page, but it's, it's going to take a little while before we, yeah, it's blank right now. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get some stuff out there fairly soon. So um, you said you're going to keep the half the parking lot uh, available for the, fishermen or whoever um yeah we're going to be on the east side essentially the east the northeast side of it uh we'll have a big tent on there uh, along the seawall and uh, we'll have a traditional small craft will be under that uh, wilson museum will be under there uh, mount desert spring water is bringing we'll have their water there and hughes company will be under there too with their displays and then uh, George Stevens Academy will be there with their boats. Uh, they've actually, uh, John Brooks has done a lot, even during COVID, even during COVID, he really did a lot with the kids. He's been having them uh, carve sweeps or oars. He had a carve uh, the model of the Ocean Ranger, which is the book that the Historical Society put up. It's their cover, their cover boat on the century of boat building in Blue Hill. So you had the kids carve, carve that. That will be there. So did you say John Brooks? Yeah, John Brooks. He's uh, a teacher. You know, yeah. John? I used to work with him. Oh, okay, well, he's now teaching at a GSA. Huh, good. Doing that for a few years. So, yeah, he was there a couple of years ago, real popular with it. Brought a St. Ale skiff, and you know, he's doing a lot of stuff with the kids. Huh. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, I built a... Uh, my first two boats with his book is a Bible. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty well dog-eared now. Blue lap straight book. And that was just a big help building boats. I've got a, a bunch more requests out there. I mean, it seems like I get about a 10% return on my emails asking people to come. But <laughs> So I've got quite a few coming in. I've got a few more. Hope it will show up, too. We don't have a lot of area down there to fill up. Uh, we can have a few more artists and stuff at Emerson Park. But I think the town of Wharf, we've pretty much got occupied between the wood turning and the, the St. L skiff and the Caledonia y'all. And the, the big, the really big tent, I think the tent's 40 by 60 or something is really, really a large tent. So you're going to have artists too, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a, 
in the wintertime, I do, I dabble a little bit in arts and I've, I was taking adult ed when they used to offer that. And then my class uh, showed up there at 2019 uh, with a couple tables and we're going to hopefully expand on that this time with trying to get more, mostly nature and marine type art in there, but they're, they're not really restricted to that. So we'll have arts in the park. Are they going to be in a tent or are they going to supply their own tents? They'll still supply their own tents. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the only big tent we only, we have the one really big tent that John Warren is supplying. He's you know, one of our local business guys, and he's going to give us a big tent to use. And then everybody else will supply their own. Mm-hmm. We hope to get Kathy Eaton, the Harborside Harbor House, uh, in the Gray Marine Resource Building or Harbor Master Building, whatever name it's going by right now. If we can get a get that thing cleaned up in time, so that would be nice having food right down there on the wharf. So, each, go ahead. Somebody who is listening to this program might be interested in uh, uh, getting a space in your show. How, how would they do that? Just go to the website? Yeah, you go to the website, which we ought to announce that. It's it's a B it's B-H-M-H-F, Blue Hill Maritime Heritage Festival, just the letters, .org. And if you go on the site, we've got links all over the place. You, you can just request, uh, you can download an exhibitor's contract or you can just click on info and email me and I can just talk you through it. There is no fee. We don't ask, there's, there's no money involved. Uh, we do ask if you sell some stuff that you maybe make a donation, that'd be nice, but there's no requirement for that. There is a, a little bit of a got, not a gotcha, but the town of Blue Hill considers anybody that is selling anything, not in a building, on their property to be a mobile vendor. So we had to work around that in 2019 because there you couldn't get a permit to be a mobile vendor. So that, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was like a catch 22 here. Yeah. So last year, well, this year, finally at the town meeting, we have a festival exemption. So now you can actually get a permit to be a mobile vendor. Even though you're sitting at a table, they're, they're considering you a mobile vendor. Mm-hmm. But it'll cost you $25, and you have to have proof of liability insurance. Any folks that are, have a marine interest, historical interest, you know, would like to participate or be a sponsor, and we actually need volunteers. Uh, it's a big tent we got to put up. We need some bodies to put that. It'd be nice having people help point to parking a little bit. No, don't have a lot of requests, but it'd be Going nice. Going up that morning? No, we'll, we'll put the, the tent up on Friday. I'll probably right. take it down take it down on Saturday, but we'll we'll put it up Friday afternoon. It takes a good a good six bodies and wouldn't help if there are young bodies too, but we've got a bunch of old <laughs> folks. <laughs> Not a lot of those around. Alan, you realize what they're missing now, don't you? What we're missing? Alan. Yeah. Besides wet John dogs Jones. and wet people. Oh, there seems yeah. to be no plan for wet dogs and wet people. As in the famous Boyard Dog Show, and we have some news on that now, don't we? Well, that would be great. That would be very fitting. Somebody got some, want to run some wet dogs in there. Yeah. Well, Alan and I uh, host the uh, World Champion Boyard Dog uh, Championship at the Maine Boats and Homes Harbor Show in August in Rockland. Oh, yeah. And we just got word that this year, last year, there was no show. This year, they're going to have the show, 
but not the dog part because it's too popular. It concentrates too many people. And so they're going to have the rest of the show, but uh, won't have the eight dogs competing, jumping in the water with their handlers and uh, doing tricks and such. And Alan and I MC that. It is uh, fun, but fairly high stress to be in front of all those people. And again, that main boats, homes and harbor thing will follow your festival and uh, people can get ready to, you know, uh, practice smiling on the water, boats and people and, you know, go to both of them this summer. But we will not be at the main boats, homes and harbor festival this this August. Alan and I, no dog show. Wow. They've called yeah, I, I normally go to that show uh, as to traditional small craft. We, we've had our booth up there on the uh, the upper part there. Remember the Bell Bell Buoy Park or something? Yeah, I won't be able to make week it week after the Lobster Festival. Yeah, yeah, we're actually the week after the main boats and harbors. We're still going to have traditional small craft people there. I, I'm taking a class at Wooden Boat School that week, so I, I might make Saturday, but that'll be it, I think. So, All connected good. anyway. Yeah. All connected. Yeah, summer. You know, what a difference! Uh, there's so much stuff going on this summer. Last summer we had quiet. <laughs> Got a lot of boat building done, but that's about it. Yeah, uh, yeah so let's put out the word. We could use volunteers. We still use exhibitors, the park artists, craftspeople, anything marine-related, historical, Blue Hill. You know, we want to engage the community down there, so that's put the word out for that. Is the uh, Blue Hill Library have any sort of uh... – representation there for some uh, maritime history oh i'm glad you brought that up <laughs> yes starting on friday evening we're having a keynote speaker uh, lincoln Payne is oh, let me get the what he's talking about he's going to be at the blue hill library and he's going to give a speech uh, or talk he's our keynote speaker it's going to be blue hill by the sea a maritime historical retrospective he wrote the book i don't know if you've seen his book on the down east maritime history he did that about 12, 15 years ago. And then, okay, well, that's it. He's supposed to be a really good speaker. I haven't heard him. He's going to be there uh, Friday the 20th, and the library's co-hosting him. And Blue Hill Books will be involved also, and the Historical Society will probably be involved also. And we're going to – we're working on having a reception. I'm trying to get a hold of him right now to see when he'd like to have a reception before or after. And the Historical Society is actually working up other speakers' talks to have leading up to it in the weeks prior. And I'll, I'll get that posted on the website. Yeah, come down to August 21st, come for a boat ride, come to gawk at boats, eat some seafood, listen to some music. How does it get any better? Just give us some nice weather. <laughs> All right. Yeah, going to be that. And I got to bring up, I should thank my sponsors, which WERU is our brand newest one. So I just put your logo up on our website and I'm getting ready to order banners. So I'll get, yeah. get that up there. Our other, let's see, our other sponsors are, well, Down East Chapter of the Traditional Small Craft Association, of course, we're the, the lead sponsor, the Hughes and Company, We've got Highlands Wood Turing, the Borealis Press, Hammond Lumber Company, Mount Dessert, Spring Water, and Finelli Boatworks. Oh, that's our list. Not too bad for 
So to keep us going for quite a while. So we're happy. Can always yeah. take a few more though. <laughs> There'll be a lot of people milling around going to all those different people. It'll, yep. Like you say, all we need is good weather. Yeah. Yeah. Someday you don't want to be victims of your success either. The Kathy at the Harbor House said she had to turn people away. There were just so many you know, folks trying to eat down there because we didn't have food at the festival the first time. So at least we'll have a little bit of food, but still, you know, if you get a few hundred people showing up all at once, you know, our little town's not really set up to, to feed that many. There's that new restaurant, the Water Water Bistro. I don't know. They want to come on board too. I think they're going to be kind of shocked how many people <laughs> that could be walking right by their door on Saturday. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad they've gotten rid of styrofoam containers. We don't have to worry about all that happening down there. Yeah, well, we're going to have five gallon or big, those, the big jugs of water from the Mount Desert Spring water. And then we'll have like biodegradable, we'll have some sort of green type cups that, for people that don't have their own bottle. But yeah, there won't be any styrofoam or paper cups. They'll be, we'll find something green to give people if they don't have their own bottles. But we're not going to have the little individual water bottles. They'll just be the water bottle with a dispenser in there. Oh, cool. That's good. That's good. And hopefully it'll be last last time we had they had gave us five giant bottles of water. I guess they're five gallons. And uh, it was so cool that time. I think we went through one bottle. <laughs> so I hope it'll be a little warmer this time and go through a few more bottles. Huh. And also get the boats out on the water too. We got it. So we got four four or five boats on the water already offering rides. So that's gonna be a nice opportunity for folks that don't get out too often. Yeah. Sounds like fun. Yeah, well, that's it. It's fun summer day by the bay. That's our little tagline there. Do you have any pirates coming? <laughs> you know, I'm actually working on that. Believe it or not, two years ago, one of the ladies at our planning conference meeting, she said, we got to have pirates. And we all poo-pooed her. I said, pirates? What are you talking about pirates? This is me. <laughs> what kind of pirates? Camden Library had a presentation that I forgot the historian's name about pirates in Maine. He goes, they were at, very active here in the you know, 17, whatever, probably late 1700s or so. The reason we don't know about it is because pirates don't keep very good logbooks and they don't advertise where they are. So, But he had all this factual stuff of where they've been, where treasure might be. And Yeah, stuff. we had a, we had the discussion with him on WERU last year. The book is Pirates and Lost Treasures of Coastal Maine by Greg Latimer. We do have some stuff for kids. We've got a Wilson Museum. We'll have their kiddie pool there. And they have a temple makes wooden boats that they can put together, real rustic little boats. Some have little paddles on, rubber band paddles. Some have sails. And they can sail the boat. And then Hughes Company is going to show, he said, with like 100 CNC cut little uh, wooden boats that they can dress up with crayons and stuff and then float their boats. So we'll have some kid activity. And Station Maine is bringing Muriel Curtis. I don't know if you've ever interviewed her. She's a character. But she's going to be there singing. And when she's not singing, she'll have the rope tying board so people can practice tying tying knots there. Something a little bit more nautical. So a lot of activities. You know. So it's a good time. Um, why don't you mention the dates and the website again just to make sure everybody gets the information. 
Okay, it's uh, Saturday, August 21st, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Blue Hill Town Wharf, an historic village. Uh, most of Water Street, Shaw Institute, Pendleton House, the Holt House. And for more information, you can go to our website, which is, you can do it the nautical way, Bravo Hotel, Mike Hotel Fox or Blue Hill Maritime Festival.org. But it's just the initials. Blue Hill Maritime Festival. I don't have to keep going through, otherwise I get all those initials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we look forward to seeing you guys. And I'll be listening to you and again. The festival website again is bhmhf.org. Last February, we talked with Leroy Weed, a lobsterman down in Stonington. He's become a YouTube star in Ask Leroy. Besides starring in YouTube videos, he lectures at the Center for Maine Coastal Fisheries at the Stonington Town Dock. We caught up with him again last week. We have a uh, touch tank down there with live specimens in it that we love to fishermen catch locally. And we, uh, uh, this year, we're open it by reservations only, by the C CDC's recommendations. And we allow eight people in at a time, like a family group. And the touch tank is uh, lobsters, crabs, urchins, sea cucumbers, any, anything that's caught locally. And the people are allowed to pick it up and look it over and ask questions about it. And we have a lobster trap in there as well. We, excuse me, we explain how that works, how the lobsters are trapped in it. Then we have virtual reality uh, goggles over in one corner that they can actually see a fisherman bringing the trap up and taking the lobsters out. Yep. Uh, we show them how to measure a lobster. We show them the difference between the male and the female lobster. And the uh, tail configuration on the female lobster is different than the male, simply because the female carries the eggs under the tail. So the tail is shaped differently. Uh, then we have a touch wall that is about, oh, maybe 12, 15 feet long, and it has this different animal on on the circle on there, like uh, codfish, um, scallops, lobsters, clams, and they can just put their fingers on, that, on the um, specimen, and it'll bring up a picture on the wall. And it'll explain to them in a little brief uh, thing at the bottom what it's all about. So it's uh, to go through the whole process. It's about it takes about an hour. So they each group has has one hour when they come in. Yeah, I'm there six hours a day, and for the last three weeks we've been booked solid. So the, the people have, um, we've got a lot more visitors this year than we had last, we didn't open last year at all. So the visitors that are coming, they, they put it out online and they put it in the paper and all of that. 
So it's been really good because they uh, have just been booking us solid. So we're booked for, for Saturday and we're booked for all of next week already. And that's six sessions a day, three days a week. We asked Leroy how many people recognize him from the YouTube videos. Quite <laughs> a few, actually. They see my name. I wear a name tag on my on my shirt, and they see the name tag, and then they they put two and two together. And we've been watching you on TV. So, yeah, I have um, two groups, and one last week and one this week from Oklahoma. And both of them recognize me. And we should say that we're speaking with uh, Captain Leroy Weed this afternoon. And uh, he is a uh, older uh, lobster fisherman and gets to hang out at the Center for Coastal Fisheries, which is right down on the waterfront in Stonington. And if you're looking for these people, go find the uh, the public wharf right right there. And we wrote a whole court out front of there in front of a bunch of tourists and stuff. But here's the punchline. Uh, we talked to Leroy back in February on Boat Talk. I think it was. I had a nice chat with him in the archives, if you want to find it. Yes, you did. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so anyway, uh, Leroy is a um, Internet star, an influencer, if you will, a YouTube uh, hit. And uh, he he never been, he don't do computers. He don't have no interweb. He don't know, you know. Sorry, you have you... Uh, Improve your technological abilities yet, Leroy, or are you still letting Tate Yoder take care of you? Yeah, I I bought a computer, and oh. we're in the process of getting it hooked up. Wow. So I did it. You could, too. <laughs> so I, I've got to get a little bit of training on it, because if, if I get the thing next messed up, then I, I'm stuck. <laughs> Leroy, it's like the... Uh, it's like the GPS machine on the boat. Just keep pushing buttons. It'll go around in a circle. You can't hurt it, really, you know, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the GPS on the boat, I got that down pat, but uh, this this has a little more features and a little more uh, trouble you can get into. So yep. I, I uh, once I get it down what I want to do, I don't think I'll have a problem with it. Geez, Leroy, it was hard enough to grow up to outsmart lobsters, let alone to be a computer programmer when you grew up, you know? Just saying. Yeah. Um, my grandchildren, uh, I got seven grandchildren, and they're all uh, good at it, so yeah. I can get, call one of them in and they'll uh, uh, help me with it. So I got three college, college graduates for grandchildren already. So if one of them come, they can get me straightened right out. I mentioned Tate Yoder, too. He works at the Center for uh, Coastal Fisheries there and has been taking care of. He's been holding your Internet hand. He runs cameras sometimes, I believe. And, you know, it, like say, uh, you're you're the talent, and he's the uh, tech, technological uh, connection, which is uh, ain't you lucky. So yeah, pretty Tate, fun. Very pretty, good. pretty fun doing this, too, wouldn't you say, Leroy? Oh, we have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, we we um, um, sometimes draw a crowd when we're outdoors on the end of the dock, and we'll invite them over to ask questions and <laughs> put that rating on the film. <laughs> yeah. So, so we yeah we have a lot of fun doing it. 
You got a favorite question? Well, I had uh, several questions um, asked that were that stuck out, and one person called and they wanted to know where the rich guy at night, the sailors delight, rich guy in the morning, sailors take warning. Yeah. They thought that a fisherman locally uh, did that. And I said, no, that's been around uh, <laughs> some time. And I said, if you open your Bible and go to the chapter of Matthew's Gospel, you will find it in chapter 16, verse 2. Whoa, there you go. So I got quite a response on that. <laughs> <laughs> Not, nice. not only from the people that asked me, but from the local people. <laughs> right, nice. Yeah. So a lot of this, the phrases that we use and speak are related to the Bible. They, a lot of them come from there. So it's uh, it's interesting as we go through life to, to uh, answer their questions, and they were very pleased with that, you know? Yeah. They they had no idea, but um, a lot of the questions I get is is why did they stop making cotton traps versus the wire traps? And it's a, it's a simple explanation. To build a wooden trap out of oak, you can only use maybe a couple of sticks of wood off of the tree from the butt. That that'll be clear of knots. So the rest of the tree falls by the wayside, and you you are using the choice part of the tree, which comes... You can make firewood out of it, of course, but um, it got to be really, really expensive. At the end of it, they were paying like $350, $400 a cord for just the butt sticks of wood. So uh, it kind of outdid itself. So the... Wire traps came in, I guess, about mid seventies. They were they were slow catching on at first because a lot of people like to build their own. They could build them cheaper, of course. You could build a wooden trap for ten, twelve dollars, whereas a wire one, even then, you was paying seventy, eighty dollars for it. So uh, they were a while catching on, but once they caught on, they I don't think there's anybody uses wooden traps anymore, except the Canadians. They still use them. Huh. And uh, that's where we get in trouble with this whale business. We fish right alongside the Canadians offshore, and if a whale gets tangled up in their um, trawls and drags the trawl across the line on the American side, then the American boys get blamed for it because the whale's been tangled. So best of my knowledge, the last five or six years, the American boys hasn't had an entanglement with the whales. So that kind of died down, and they've, they've kind of backed off on that a little bit, but uh, it's a... I guess you could figure it out easy enough. If you tagged the whale and followed his migration route, you would know where not to put your traps. We don't want a whale. We don't want to catch it. There's no no point in us catching a whale and 
losing 20 traps, you know? So we avoid it at all costs, if we can. And most of the guys have, have been doing just that. They've been avoiding it. So it's been working out okay. Do you but, fish offshore? Uh, pardon? Do you fish offshore? No, my son does. Yeah. Yeah, he goes. And he's never been wound up with a with a whale. He he stays clear of them. And uh, he has when he was home fishing, he did get a shock on his hook. A, a old about an eight foot shot. And he had quite a job to shake him off. Which he did. He shook him off after a while and let him go, but uh for the most part, we don't we don't want to get involved in catching all those giant fish. They're no good to us. Can't sell them. All they do is slow you down. So we'd rather not get involved in them. If what kind can. of boat do you have? Now I just got a, a flat bottom, uh, like a dory. Yeah. I sold my my power boat. What was that? I had some I had some health problems and. And uh, I sold that and sold most of my crap, so I'm pushing 80 pretty hard, so I figured I'd have to ease up a little bit, get it outboard, and play with that if I wanted to go, you know? So what was your power boat? What kind of boat was that? It was fiberglass. Yeah? 32, 32 foot, and a little six-cylinder diesel in it. Very economical to run, and uh, good sea who, boat. Who built it? It was built by uh, Bill Down in Jersey somewhere, and the guy brought it up. I forgot the name of it, but she was she was deep, very deep boat, and uh, she's a good sea boat, very good. Rode easy, and it worked good. I used to have a sail on the stern, and the sail would swing the bow around into the wind when it was blowing. Very comfortable boat. Yeah. Did you ever have I a wooden have... one? Pardon? Did you ever have a wooden one? Yeah. First one I had the... was a wooden one. Which one was that? That was uh, called the, the name of it was the Jacob Lewis. It was built here locally, right here on the island. Who built it? And uh, Gardner Gross. You ever hear of Gardner Gross? He was a local fisherman, and he built it right down the road here, about two miles. Yeah. And he, he used it for quite a few years, and then he built a bigger one, and uh, a newer one, and he sold that one. It was a nice boat, nice easy boat. Wooden boats are very good because they give a lot in the sea. They twist and go and, and, and uh, give, give a lot more. Fiberglass boat rides hard because when you hit a sea head on, there's no give to them. Right. It's always been said. It's always been said that if you want to extend your fishing life ten years, use a wooden boat. Yep, and they're right. I see a lot of the, the fellas downtown now that uh, are uh, going offshore. A lot of them has gone back to the wooden boats. Yep, Peter Cass. Peter Cass. There's yep. probably a dozen of them downtown here now. Yep. And I mean, they're big boats. They're they're forty forty five foot boats. Oh yeah, well, isn't John? Uh, what's his name? He's got John a forty. Got one. 
Yeah, he's got he's got probably one of the biggest. Oh no, maybe the other one is. What's the other one that's in town that's real big? He had to have the biggest one, forty-seven foot. <laughs> um, that might be Ben Lee. Yeah, what's it, what's the name of the boat? Um, yeah, I can't. I can't think of it either. Sorry. You know, uh, uh, Nathan Jones, he's built one. There's quite a few of them in town. Yeah. They, they, uh, there's no comparison. Most of them fellas uh, that had the fiberglass boats first, they, uh, most of them had back operations before they were 40. Yeah. And now they're still going and no problem at all, you know? No. No, it is. It's an incredible difference when you step on from a wooden boat to a glass boat. It, it's oh, obvious. Oh, yeah. I mean, they just ride so much easier. Yep. And you can you can work in a lot of wind with them, you know, because they don't uh, jump around so. Mm-hmm. Fiberglass boats like like working in a, a tennis ball. <laughs> You're all over the place. We asked him how they went about recording the YouTube videos where he answers questions. That's on the on the YouTube, and they they call uh, the station down there, and then I never see the questions before they're asked me. <laughs> he, he gets the questions, and then he throws a, a lecture on the ground there, and he asks me the questions. So I never, I'll never have the questions ahead of time to look up an answer or try to find an answer or anything. I have to. I have to answer them as they come, just as to what I know. You know what I'm saying? From experience. Yeah. So we have a we have a lot of a lot of um, good questions. A lot of, we had one from California. A lady called and wanted to know why the lobster boat wasted so much deck space. So I explained to her. I said, "Well, that didn't come about in in uh, just." Recently, and I asked her, I said, have you ever rode on a seesaw? And she says, yes. I said, did you get way out on the end of the plank? Yeah. You got a pretty good ride up and down, right? Yeah. Now, if both of you people went to the middle, you wouldn't move very far, would you? Well, no. And I said, well, that's why these steering stations are in the middle. They don't want that big, long ride up and down. Mm-hmm. They want to get where it's comfortable. So the, the cabin uh, space is used for storage, and the deck space is used for the working of the traps. So we did one uh, video. I went aboard John Williams' boat, and we videoed the whole boat, the, the working part of the boat and everything, and uh, that was pretty interesting. We got quite a lot of response from that. So, uh, yeah. We get a lot of questions like that, and and uh, you get questions on how the stocks are looking, the lobster stocks, and I explain to them, well, you know, when you haul a trap and you get one keeper and there's 10 or 12 juveniles, I think the stocks are looking pretty good. But if you only had the one keeper and no juveniles, then your stocks aren't looking too good. Your stocks are getting down. So most of these fellas, uh, 
agree that the stocks are healthy. So, but it takes uh, seven years from the day the lobster is born until we can keep him on the major. Takes him about seven years to get the length of that major, which is three and a quarter inches on the carapace on the back. So he's seven years old before we ever get to keep him. It's, we, what we're trying to do is keep the fishery sustaining itself. And that's the reason for the vents and the draft, the plastic vents and the, that's put in the back end of the traps. And that's to let the juveniles out so the big, they are cannibals and the big ones will eat them if the trap is left any length of time. So that lets the little ones escape to live another day, and hopefully will help keep our fishery sustained to, for our my children and my grandchildren. So that's, that's kind of what it's about. And the main center down there also works on a lot of different uh, ideas with the powers that be about regulations and all of that. So it's an ongoing thing. There's no quick answer to it other than try to protect your industry the best you can, as long as you can. So we've, we've had the female lobsters with the eggs. Uh, that's been the law in the state of Maine since 1917. It's been illegal to take a female lobster with eggs. So that has helped a great deal sustain this fishery over a hundred years. Uh, in the fall, when your lobsters are migrating back out of the bay to the deeper water, it's not uncommon to get five, six, eight in the trap at a time. And you do that all day long. And you just release them back overboard and let them go on their way. So it's... Uh, Part of uh, being responsible to your livelihood, you might say. And I always tell people, I say, you know, there's a there's a line that's in the middle of your face. One side of it's greed, and the other side is common sense. Yeah. And you have to decide when you're when you're working the waters which side you want to go on. If you're going on greed and scrub the eggs off the lobster for the five or six dollars then you're just cutting your own throat in the future. So um, I, I think it's a good law. And the, and the big bulls, we leave them back as well. We don't take them ones over five pounds. We put them back. And um, it, it's worked all these years, over 100 years. So I hope they keep the law. I, I don't believe they'll take it off the books anytime soon. Now, it's, it's a big industry, you know. There's, there's a lot more to it than just the uh, boats and the traps and the fishermen. Because we have uh, places like Hamilton Marine that is a supply store for fishery supplies, hay and, and boots and foul weather gear. Then you have places that make rope for the, for the uh, fishermen. Then you have places that make the bait bags. You have another places that make the net for the twine for the heads. People make the, what we call the funny eyes, the rings that's in the trap. 
Then you have the wire for the trap itself. So you're taking a lot of people in the industry putting just a few traps together. And then you also have the shipyards that sell these guys the engines and do the boat work and all of that. So it's a multifaceted industry that requires a lot of people to keep it going. So if they shut it down, they they would be some long faces, I'll tell you. Well, again, uh, any town would be proud to have that factory. You know what I'm saying? That fishy, fishy, fishy factory, like I say, is very valuable to all the towns that it's in. Uh, beyond, uh, like I say, it's an ecosystem. It's a uh, web. It's uh, you are right, all connected. And uh, yeah. yeah, Leroy, what days of the week are you down to the pier there? If I was just wandering by Stonington, you know, what days of the week are you around? We we work Tuesday, uh, Thursday, and Saturday. Good to know. And we work we work from ten to two. We yeah. don't go out for lunch. We stay right there for lunch. So uh, any one of those days, uh, or you can come down earlier or later in the day, we talk to you. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Got her. Thank you, Leroy. Looking good talking to you tonight. If you want to come down, just get Kate. He'll set it up. Yeah. Looking good talking to you tonight, Leroy. Thank you. Okay. That's YouTube star Leroy Weed. Check him out at... Ask Leroy on the YouTube, and thanks to the Center for Maine Coastal Fisheries in Stonington. That's about it for this month's Boat Talk, but don't forget about the Maine Boat Builders Show at Portland Yacht Services, July 23rd through 25th, and the Maine Boat and Home Show in Rockland, August 12th through the 14th. Lots to see there. Happy sails to you. I survive the pits of fish and take some home to lie, sir.